1: Welcome to the Total Soccer Show. My name is Taylor Rockwell. On today's episode, we're going deep into Serie A to talk title contenders, most chaotic clubs, the return of Silvio Berlusconi, and much, much more. To do so, I'm joined by my favorite Serie A expert, a man who predicted Mark Arnautovic to Manchester United was dead in the water before it was dead in the water. It's David Amayal of the then podcast. David, thank you so much for being here.
2: What a real pleasure to be on with you, Taylor. What a great introduction. Thanks so much for having me, and I look forward to chatting culture with you.
1: Yeah, for, so for people who uh, haven't heard David before, uh, we need to have David on far more regularly because he is the knower of all things, uh, uh He is the type of expert where I will think, I've got to have him stumped on this one, and then he always has an answer. Not only does he have an answer, but he has even more detail. I'm setting... The bar pretty high, David, uh, but that is how much how highly I think of you. And I'm really excited to chat with you about Zaria this time around because more so than normal, it feels like there is both good chaos and bad chaos in the league. And I kind of want to start there. Broadly speaking, uh, what is the financial situation in Serie A? Because I read last night, I wanted to know your thoughts on this quote. Uh, There's very little money in Italy at the moment, and it will stay that way unless clubs are allowed to build new stadiums. The league sells itself better abroad and the landscape of European football gets reformatted. That sounds like things are not good, David.
2: Yeah, no, look, I think that's a great description. And I also do love that you talked about good chaos and bad chaos, because before I get into more the negative, what I think is for sure is the games are going to be very entertaining. Mm-hmm. Setia has been a ton of fun in recent years. They are the exact opposite of a boring defensive league, as some still describe it. They're high-scoring games, exciting. I think the games are always going to be really good this season. I think we're going to have a great title race because I do think it's wide open for a variety of reasons so there's that so i think you know you tune into paramount you're going to have great coverage the guys there do a great job i think the games are going to be very entertaining no doubt about that so that i think it's important to say now as far as the state of the league I think that description is 100% accurate, and I think there are a lot of factors that point to that being true. I think the most—I could just tell you, like, one detail. Bologna, who is, you know, a lower-table team, that, you know, they avoid relegation, but they're not competing for European spots. They sold three young players under 24 who were starters, who were very good starters for a club like Bologna's Vanberg, who had been a starter for three years— He went to Wolfsburg in the Bundesliga, so not even Bayern went to Wolfsburg. They sold Teate; who was a very good center back. Uh, He went to Rennes in France, so not PSG, went to Rennes. And then they had Hickey, who had a very good season in Serie A, and I think he went to Brentford. It was one of the lower table teams in the PL. And to me, that really sums up. Everything, because in years past, the best players on Bologna, Sassuolo, Udinese, they would go to either Fiorentina, Roma, Lazio, maybe even better. Sometimes they just go straight to Inter, Juve, Napoli, the teams in Milan, the teams with money and really contending. So, in Bologna's far from an isolated case, there were 13 players under 23 today. Casadei was unveiled at. Chelsea, and he was the highest-rated prospect on Inter. So, thirteen players that were under twenty-three all sold abroad in Serie. A. And Casade going to Chelsea is the the biggest exception of him going to a huge club. Normally, you'd say, okay, someone went to Chelsea from Serie. A, you don't bat. And I. Uh, but Empoli had a very promising center back, Vitti, who could have helped a lot of teams in Serie A, and he goes to Nice. So when I see things like that, it really concerns me that both a foreign and an Italian player see going to, like, Nice and Rennes as, yeah, this is an upgrade. This is good for my career to do this, So I think financially, you know, we, we've heard a lot about supply chain with COVID and all in real life. But in football, to me, the supply chain in Italy is completely broken. I think for the health of the league, it's better when the best players on the lower table teams move up in the league. They stay and then they move up to a top team. And then look, eventually then they go abroad. But now we don't even have that middle step anymore. And those young players, what they're being replaced with, with very few exceptions, are older players from abroad who are at the end of their career or rejects from other leagues, like Jovic at Fiorentina being an example, and Dombele at Napoli. And look, those guys could turn out to be really good. Maybe moving to Serie A is great for them. But Napoli, you know, gave up Fabian Ruiz. He's going to PSG. He was really really a great midfielder for them last season and they're replacing him with like a reject from the other league but then the problem is when you look at the financial state is it's reasonable to assume that if those rejects from other leagues pan out that they're not going to stay in italy they're just going to be sold back to the premier league or a top club so i would really really love to be proven wrong and to um and for people to tell me, hey, you're being overly cynical, but then I would point out that Milan is the only team that made a big purchase without selling someone first. Everyone else did. Yeah, Juve Bremer could mm-hmm. be a very, very good addition for him, but they sacrificed a delict for him. And I think if I told anyone, if we did this podcast last year and I told you... Uh, in a year, Taylor, you were gonna replace Kilini and Delict, and they're gonna replace them with Bremer and Gatti. You probably would've been like, I haven't. Barely even heard of those players. Gatti, I don't think anyone would have heard of. Yeah. And Bremer. And so you're saying Chiellini and Delict. And again, those guys could pan out to be really good. But this is not what it was before. Like Juve is a club that is known for having great center backs. They are the richest club in Italy. Yeah, they were able to get Vlaovic. But this is the state of the league. So I think financially, there is huge uh, cause for concern. But again, on the flip side, at least the games will be really entertaining.
1: If you told me that was their starting center back pair, I would assume they'd gotten relegated somehow. That is genuinely where I would go with that. Although everything I've read about Bremer seems very strong. But to your point, from also from what I've read, it sounds like they were only able to get him because they sold the licked faster than Inter were able to sell Scriniar.
2: Exactly. That's exactly what happened. And Juve is asking a ton of Bremer. Look, you could make a case Bremer was the best center back in Serie A last season, performance-wise. I wouldn't say that's a stretch. But that was the first season where he was seen that way. He was coached by Juric, who has a great reputation with defenders. He was at Verona. They sold two center backs for big money. Cumbu Roma has been pretty much a bust. So they're asking a lot of Bremer who's never played at a team in the Champions League. He's used to, like, some intense training sessions at Torino with Juric. Now he goes to Juve. They play a lot of games. Now, look, I think Juve replaced delict as well as they could have, seen the circumstance. But there's definitely even – if there's reason for concern at center back at Juve, it's like, what are we left with in said Yeah. <laughs>
1: It's a strange time. It's a strange time. But there's also, as we said, there's good chaos. There's bad chaos. I'm going to stick with uh, medium chaos. I'm not sure to ask a little bit more about Juve because uh, they've made some signings, as you've already mentioned. That doesn't even uh, include Paul Pogba, who will be out to start the season, but we would assume will become a pretty key part of that team. How do you expect the Juve lineup to change or the tactics to change over the course of this season as they get everybody healthy, as they find some form?
2: Well, look, uh, for years, Juve fans have been complaining about the midfield. Pogba was the big addition. He's hurt. There are concerns, you know, on how injury prone he is, how dedicated he is, uh, and especially with the World Cup looming. I don't blame him for with the rehab kind of making the World Cup a priority. Um, So Juve is going to need Locatelli, if I played well last season, to develop um, even further. I think Juve is going to play a lot lot on the wings. I think the fact that Pogba's injury made them go back on the market and bring in Kostic from Frankfurt, I think he could be an intriguing addition because I think Juve with Kostic and Quadrado on the wings are going to be able to feed Danilo um, feed Vlaovic a lot. So I think they're kind of making up for their lack in the midfield there. So, look, uh, on paper, I think Juve has a very strong squad for this level of Serie yeah, A. But Chiesa, Allegri, Allegri said that Chiesa won't be fully healthy till January. Pogba, there is a little question marks. Di Maria was great in the first game, but he got hurt uh, right away. Uh, but at least he did show, you know, there was a lot of question marks on how motivated Di Maria was based on what we saw in the first game. Seems like he is, but there are now concerns On his health. I think squad wise, I think Juve, you know, with Inter and Milan, they're right there squad wise. But I think there's also concerns with Allegri last season. I would think it's safe to say he didn't get the most out of it. But there is hope. I mean, Juve does have Vlaovic, that was their big addition from uh, January and again I think the cost quadrado thing is going to work out pretty well but I do think their defense definitely has question marks like they are asking a lot of Bremer they're asking a lot of Bonucci who's 35 and the backups to those are Gatti again who came from Serie B and Rugani who I think You'd be hard-pressed to find any Juve fan who has really big confidence in him. So they're going to need Danilo to kind of become that third center back. Uh, Maybe Alexandro helping out there. Uh, But I know a lot of Juve fans are, like, focused on the midfield. I have more question marks, again, on the defense. Because I think there's probably no player in Serie A who's being asked more of than Bremer. Because, again, both Chiellini. And the lick are gone. But look, on paper, there's definitely a lot of talent at Juve.
1: Two more Juve questions. The first, obviously, we're an American show. I have to ask about Weston McKinney. We were inclined to say he should stay there, that it seems yep. like he will get uh, consistent minutes, be a part of that team. Are you expecting him to be involved in that midfield?
2: I do because he's really the only with Pogba is the only one that scores goals. Like no one else on their midfielders. I think Locatel is a really, really nice player, but he's very rarely a goal scorer. And Allegri does like um McKinney and again I think Kostic and Cuadrado not only Vlaovic it's going to help McKinney like it felt like last season trying to set up a McKinney header was one of the main plays that Juve had (laughs) so I expect that to continue it's kind of like a pick and roll on a a really good NBA team that's kind of like their thing let's try to get the ball to Weston so I think it worked out well now you know Juve has been trying to sell Rabiot. they've been trying to sell Arthur they are trying to move one midfielder, but I don't think they're going to get that desperate to try to move uh, McKinney because, again, they do need him to score goals. They need someone other than Vlaovic to be pretty consistent there. So I think it's actually going to work out pretty well there. I know he's healthy again. So, yeah, I think this is actually going to be a good season for West, and I would get him in a fantasy culture, no doubt about it.
1: All right. That's got me feeling uh, optimistic. How do you How do you think Bremer will be received or how has he been received by Juve fans, given that he's coming from Torino? Is that a bit of skepticism or is that seen as a coup? They they took a player off of their crosstown rivals.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, definitely Torino, and then they beat Inter to it, um, so yeah, but then the flip side is like, okay, well, if Inter ends up keeping Skriniar because they couldn't get Bremer, maybe in a weird way you ensured that Inter is stronger, but look, long <laughs> and short of it, De Ligt was leaving, uh, De Ligt has also been pretty vocal about his time at Juve and the issues at the club, so a lot of Juve fans were not too happy with the things he says, although I would point out that... He said things that Juve fans have been saying constantly, <laughs> but always when an outsider says it. So I think there's a lot of hope for Bremer to kind of shut up the lick and Juve fans' minds. Again, I thought last season he was sensational. Uh, said has some very good young strikers, which I'm sure we'll get into more. And he was amazing against all of them. So on paper, it's really good. But he, it sounds like Allegri, although it does look like a four at the back. It's really more three at the back. So he's in a formation where he's pretty comfortable. So look, they're asking a lot of him. If he does, I would say even 90% of the season he did uh, last season. I think that 90 percent is better than what Juve was getting out of the which for whatever reasons and probably not just his fault, wasn't just the greatest marriage at Juve. So they're asking a lot of him, but I do think there is reason to think he can deliver on it.
1: Much more still to come from my conversation with David Amoel, But first, a word from today's Sponsors. So get timeless looks with modern comfort from Mack Weldon. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off your first order with promo code TSS. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com, promo code TSS to get 20% off your first order. Thank you to Mack Weldon for sponsoring today's episode. And Bremer, as we said, uh, coming from Torino. David, a question I wasn't sure I would ever get to ask you on this show. Why are people screaming at each other in car parks? in
2: the car parks? That's a good question. I haven't seen that, to be honest.
1: Oh, it's the Torino uh, sporting director and And uh, Juric, yeah, they got in
2: a big fight. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, well, look, Juric, the manager there, is kind of like um, very direct and puts a lot of pressure on the club. And look, Mm -hmm. you know, they sold Bremer, Belotti, their captain, still out there. He's not coming back. He's probably going to Roma. They lost Brecalo was a very good player for them. So so he's been very vocal about needing help. Uh, so, yeah, that's why they got in uh, that big fight. Sorry I missed it. It did seem they oh. did uh, make up for it. Uh, but that's Juric for you. Yeah. Uh, he's definitely a very, very direct person.
1: That was my next question. Is, is is he the new Diego Simeone? Because in addition to the screaming, I read that his, his team is described as being awful to play against, which feels oh, is. like it's Diego it's, Simeone. <laughs>
2: it's exactly right. And that would be the one thing... One reason why I'd be a little concerned on Bremer is he goes from having the most intense training sessions (laughs) there and all the time, and the Juve ones with Allegri have been pretty lax. Interestingly, Tudor, who replaced Juric, at Verona and was a former Juve player and one of Pirlo's assistants famously said that you could never coach a team like Juve the way you can a team like Verona and Torino, which I always found very interesting and kind of feeds into what Delict said that he got to Bayern and he goes, oh, man, this first training session was much tougher than anything at Juve.
1: Hmm. That's really interesting. Do you think Juric, on the whole, is a pretty good manager, though? From what I've read, there is the intensity, there is the screaming, but there is that also dedication to the team, to his players, to winning, but to playing interesting soccer at the very least. So it, he seems like a manager that has a lot of hype, but he's one I don't know much about.
2: Oh, no, I think he's great. Like He is a disciple of Gasperini from um, Atalanta. They, mm. I think he, they worked together at Genoa. Although he's more defensive, there is a lot. Of that. Uh, so no, I think he's great. I actually thought that if Roma didn't get Mourinho, it's obviously a much flashier signing, and that actually turned out to be a good one. I thought Juric would have been superb for Roma. I do absolutely see him as someone that can coach, you know, a Napoli, or Roma. Again, I don't I don't think we'd see him at a Milan-Inter-Juve just because he's not the most polished. But I think he'd do very well there. I'm a huge fan of his. I think Torino, with all their losses, their summer, I think they're going to avoid relegation comfortably because of the manager they have.
1: Is that the standard that they should be at though, like comfortably avoiding relegation? Or is that sort of where they are in terms of having to buy and sell that they can't quite expect to be in the top half right now? No, I,
2: w- I would say payroll wise, they should be around 10th place or so. I mm-hmm. think they historically usually have a eighth or between eighth or 10th payroll. Uh, you know, they're right below, I would say, Fiorentina. Um, as far as payroll and expectations, but they've had uh, a few um, difficulties. The last seasons, they were better uh, with Udic. So yeah, they should be, you know, anywhere between ninth and 12th place, I would say.
1: Uh, since we've, we've talked a little bit negative, I feel like I've led us down the negative rabbit hole. You mentioned Roma, you mentioned Jose Mourinho. Let's talk them for a second, because we have, in my mind at least, one of the most mythical creatures on earth, happy Jose Mourinho. Uh, am I correct in saying that these are happy days for him at Roma?
2: Absolutely. Look, I was very skeptical. I even wondered if he was going to finish his first season, but I think it's worked out great. I think he picked the perfect spot for him. Like, look, Mourinho, this isn't prime Mourinho, but this isn't prime Serie Either Roma can be, uh, you know, the most difficult place to be at if you're not doing well, but can also be the best place. Uh, I don't know if you saw Dybala's introduction. That was like something uh, yeah. that- Incredible, Yeah. And that's Roma for you. They have the most – they sold the most season tickets. A lot of non-Roma fans make fun of them for celebrating the Confederation Cup, and now Mourinho has the tattoo. Oh, yeah. But they have a ton of momentum. They sold the most season tickets. They are one of the few clubs in Italy who is kind of spending, maybe not necessarily on transfer fees, but they are – adding payroll. They are ambitious. Look, I uh, going into the season, I think Roma is right there with Juve. And I think the fact that I have more faith in Mourinho than Allegri is something there's no way I would have thought that last year. So I think you're absolutely correct and saying uh happy uh, happy Mourinho I think even if they get very little from Dybala it wouldn't surprise me at all if they finish ahead of Juve and if they get very little out of both Dybala and Zaniolo, that would be tough but if even just one of the two comes through with like a good season I I think they're gonna do quite well and a uh, really good for Mourinho for being there I I do think Roma are a pretty decent outsider to win the Scudetto. I, I really believe that. I think their defense isn't – I have the, kind of the same question marks as I do for Juve. So, uh, but I, I, I trust the rest of their team more, and they are built in their manager's image. So really good for Mourinho. I'm happy for him. We did need uh, you know, some positive things in uh, Serie A. It's kind of surprising that Mourinho is one of the people delivering it.
1: It is strange, though, to talk about a happy Mourinho at a club where I think they've sold they've sold like a, like four or five solid players for a good amount of money. They haven't reinvested it in the sense that Matic comes in on a free, uh, Sfila on a free, Dybala on a free, them on a loan, uh, Zeki Celik, I think, the only one they've actually yeah. spent money on. And yet, there does seem to be some positivity around where the club is going. Uh, no more so than with Paulo Dybala, who gets the reception you talked about. That did confuse me a little bit, though, and I'd love to know your thoughts on, I guess, the perception of Dybala, either in Italy or by Roma fans, because for the longest time for me, he was a player who just, he wasn't quite good enough to crack that Uva 11 The managers didn't know how to fit him in, didn't know how best to use him, and so he was seen as like an almost, but not quite player in my mind. And then that reception and the way, like, De Rossi, I think when the club wishes him happy birthday, he requests Dybala jerseys because everybody's asking him for them. It seems like he is this instead fabled, like legendary player. And I'm surprised by how much of a coup this seems to be for Roma.
2: Well, look, uh, there's no doubt that Dybala has been one of the most exciting players in Serie I think he's been a good Juve player. I thought, you know, wearing the number 10 of that club and the players that they had, there's been a lot of really good moments. I think you put it well, as a pretty enigmatic player, not the easiest to fit tactically. But look, I think there's a lot of Juve fans and more the younger ones. And I don't say it in a disparaging way. It's like, you know, if you grew up on Baggio del Piero, maybe you look at, you know, DiBala a certain way. But there's a lot of Juve fans that grew up, up through some tough years. And DiBala, no doubt, was a really, really good uh, player. And I think for Roma to get a guy that was the number 10 at Juve to get him on a Bosman like that I think for them getting him on a three-year deal with a salary where a decent amount is in bonuses that's as good I think Juve would have loved to sign him on those terms so I think there's a uh, good reasons for them to be very excited I think Dybala sent Pretty much a good message saying, you know what, I'm not gonna take the number ten that thought he had. Let me do 21, my number first, and then we'll see. Uh, so I'm cautiously, um, you know, interested in how he does. Like he he needs to stay healthy. You know, sometimes I wonder if he's really dedicated to the life of an athlete but look uh, if i had to say who do i who's (laughs) going to play more games dibala or pogba this season i don't know i'd probably pick dibala you know i'd be close Uh, maybe it's because pogba's already hurt so no i i think aroma it's a a pretty intriguing move on those terms i think it makes sense they're not you know hamstrung by a huge salary and a really long-term deal so you get them on those terms you get a lot of the good and not too much of the bad
1: I believe that was some diplomatic phrasing by David to say he's dedicated to the life of an athlete. I feel like been between the lines on that one. We've talked about 3 clubs so far. Two of them are potential title contenders. Uh since we're in Rome, let's stay in Rome. Let's talk Lazio. I'm guessing you would have them on your list of potential contenders as well.
2: Yeah, no, I'm actually intrigued by uh what Lazio did. Like, look, I was pretty much certain that Milinkovic-Savic was going to leave this yeah. summer no Champions League. As of now, he's there. It doesn't seem like he's going to leave. Uh, you know, is he maybe the best player in the league uh right now i think they you know their defense has been shaky for years they are going to lose at cerbi but he had a difficult season was uh having issues with the fans they did bring in romagnoli you know as a former milan captain Who, you know, look, I thought had Romagnoli gone to Juve, I would feel better about their defense. So Mm -hmm. I got to keep it the same way and say I think that's a very good replacement for Acerbi. They brought in another center back. Casale, uh, who was good at uh, Verona, they got two keepers. So I'm pretty intrigued uh, by them. They are trying to build a team more in Sarri's image. I think, you know, look, Roma have definitely been the flashier team coming off the trophy signing Dybala, but quietly Lazio, while I can make a case a lot of teams in Serie A are weaker, I think you can definitely make a case that Lazio are going to be better, and keeping Milinkovic Savic and this state in the league in and it of itself is uh, really pretty remarkable, so... You know, I said earlier that, you know, would it shock me if Roma win the Scudetto? No. Would it also shock me if Roma completely implode? No. But I, it, it would shock me if Lazio is out of that four to six range. I think they can sneak into a Champions League spot, but I'd be really surprised if they're out of the top six and other teams like Napoli, Atalanta, I think have more of a range. So, yeah, I think they've had quietly a good summer in the shadow of Roma.
1: They also signed three Hellas Verona players, uh, by my count, two on permanent, one on loan. Is there a relationship or a connection between those two clubs, or is it just Verona need money and Lazio will pay?
2: Well, yeah, and Lazio is one of the few t- clubs in Italy. Yeah, and look, they had Zaccagni last season who arrived, yeah. and he did very well there, bringing another center back. And look, you know, in Italy, look, we were talking earlier about the supply chain mm-hmm. being broken. it's good to see that at least this one has uh, continued, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely think there is th- those directors know each other, and the players seem to fit in quite well when they move there.
1: So uh, it seems like positive times for Lazio with their signings, with the strength of the squad. Would you say Inter are as strong as they were last we saw them? Uh, Seemed like they were starting off pretty strongly with uh, Lukaku scoring within, what, like 90 seconds of his second debut with Inter. But at one point, they had locked up both Bremer and Paulo Dybala. So it does seem like while things are positive, they're not quite as positive as they could have been.
2: So here's the thing with Inter. We said earlier, you know, Juve getting Bremer. If that means Grinyard staying, and it looks like it entered our link to the to center backs, but they keep saying that it's to be a backup to their starters. Look, if if that's true on paper, their squad is very, very strong. Uh, You could make the case better than last year. Now, where I would caution people is they lost Padisic, who was an MVP candidate in Serie A, legit MVP candidate last season. If Inter won the Scudetto, he probably would have won that title. So they lose him, and he was perfect for Inzaghi, who does really, really well with wing players. Uh, So you lose that MVP candidate, an optimistic Inter fan would say, well, you're bringing in another MVP candidate, Lukaku's back. You're right, he did score in the first game. I would point out he also scored in his first game at Chelsea, and then it went downhill fast. And my Hmm. question is, Lukaku without Conte, Lukaku in Inzaghi's formation, is that going to be the same? If it's, to me, 80% of that amazing season he had, under Conte, that might be enough for them to win it. But not only do they not have Conte, they don't have the athletic preparator that Conte had, Pinto was at Real Madrid with Ancelotti. So is Lukaku going to be the same without those two? And the other thing is, look... Uh, Conte's influence, although Inter did play more free flowing under Inzaghi. I think you definitely could still see Conte's imprint, the determination of the team, and I wonder if there's going to be less of that now that more time has passed. Um, I, I think a sneaky good signing was Mkhitaryan, because I think he was better than people gave him credit at the second half at Roma, but he is hurt now. On paper, he would help him a little Little bit, kind of make up a little bit that production that they lost from Patty Sheets. Look, I think squad player for player, Inter is the best squad in Serie. A, but my question is, okay, one more year. Without Conte, what does that look like? But on paper, if things stay as they are, I think they do have the best team in the league. And I would say they are the one team, Serie A team, that I think can do okay in the Champions League. It wouldn't shock me if Inter can make it to like the quarterfinals or something like that.
1: Where would you have uh, Milan if things are, are fairly rosy at Inter? How are things at Milan?
2: I... Um, I think Milan are the favorites, and I feel pretty confident saying that they should be the favorites. And I'll tell you why. They're the defending. They, They won the title, so they have that, and I think they earned it well in the end. Uh, They are the only team that made a big addition without making, uh, without selling someone. They got the Quetel Air, who's a very intriguing attacker. And I think, you know, they were trying to get Botman, but their defense to me was already the best than Serie A. So them not getting Botman and spending that money on a striker, I think that worked out for them. Uh, Serie A, usually the best defense wins. And Milan had the best defense in the league last year. They're getting Kier back in addition. So they lost Romagnoli, but they get Kier back. Kalulu and Tomori were sensational together as the starter. Now you have Kier as a deluxe backup. They are strong at the wing back position. So they have the best keeper, Maignan, in the league, and I think it's by a decent margin. So you look last year, there was a lot of concern with losing Donnarumma. Now he's the they have the best keeper in the league. They have the best defense. They they lost Frank Cassie, which somewhat of a big loss, no doubt, but Tonali was great. They bring in Adli. So, for these reasons, and Pioli did a great job last season, so I think, in my mind right now, Milan deserved to be the favorites, although I'd give a slight edge to Inter squad, but the way Milan are designed make a lot of sense. And you got to give them a lot of credit for the way uh, they operate. Um, again, only team in Italy that spent over $20 million on an incoming player without selling someone first. I think that says a ton.
1: Uh, yeah. Questions about that player because I am not as familiar with i am play- I'm gonna try to say his name, Charles <laughs> de Ketelare. Uh, he is he is Belgium. Close comes, enough. Yeah, close enough. How, okay, I'll let you say it properly. No, but no, uh, you, coming- you probably, your problem is much better than mine, so <laughs> we'll go with yours. Uh, well, coming from Bruges, that is like. That's not necessarily the league that I would expect the, the huge expensive striker to be coming to a club like Milan from, but I'm guessing they have seen plenty to, to make him the player they need to come in to score the goals to help facilitate that attacking play. What do you like about him or what have you heard about him, uh, that would make Milan spend that much money?
2: Well, a very intriguing player, although he's this tall, lanky forward, and you're thinking, oh, this is the new heir to Ibrahimović. I would say he's more similar in style to Kaká than Ibrahimović, which seems hard to believe. He's been intriguing even the first game coming off the bench. So some flashes. And look, Milan have a great track record. The few times they spend money, they usually hit a home run. They did with Tonali. They did with Tomori, who's been really Great. They just signed them to an extension. So uh, they know what they're doing. I know Maldini gets a lot of credit, and a lot of players come to Milan because of their admiration for Maldini, which is great, but who's really underrated is their other sporting director, Frederick Massara. And he was at Roma for years with Sabatini, who's kind of known as the best talent scout um, in Italy. And uh, Massara's done a great job at Milan. So very intriguing addition. Look, last season, Milan... Between Giroud and Ibra, they kind of got enough goals. Lao had a great season with Dukotelar in the mix there. Their offense, and they have Origi, too. I know he's hurt, but he can definitely oh, right. can help them, too. So, I, again, the, when I kind of lay out, when I think more and more about Milan, my answer is, like, why aren't more people saying that they should clearly be the favorites?
1: More still to come from my chat with David Amoyal. First, one more break to hear from today's sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based, live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game-changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey folks, this is Taylor from the Total Soccer Show reminding you that we are inching ever closer to the start of the summer transfer window, which means there are teams that will buy and sell their players early, there are teams that will leave that business very late, and there are teams that will operate in between. But no matter what, it's going to be a chaotic situation, there's going to be Thank you to everyone who chose to sponsor the Total Soccer Show today and this week. Now back one more time to my conversation with David. When it comes to Milan, are there any issues you see that potentially could keep them from repeating as champions?
2: Well, look, I think uh, some people have question marks on are they going to be able to have, you know, a lot of things kind of went their way in the second half of the season. Pioli, their manager, usually is known for his teams running out of gas in the second half of the season. It didn't happen last year. Is it going to happen with a World Cup in between? Maybe, but that's going to be an issue for all the clubs. I, I think not everyone wants to believe that last season was legit. And look, I'm going into last season, I had Milan as the sixth team, and I thought that between all the losses that they had, Donnarumma, Chalanoglu, it was going to be tough, and they ended up winning. So uh, I, I'm pretty confident they're, they're going to match the amount of points they did last season. Now, is someone going to do better? Maybe. But I think Milan are going to be at least as good as they were last year.
1: What about Napoli, David? Uh, what's the situation there? I've, I've tried to leave a chunk of time to talk about Napoli because I find them fascinating. Key players have been sold. Manager Luciano Spalletti getting heckled while trying to calm down supporters. It seems like a not great start to the season.
2: Look, I've had actually quite a few people contact me on uh, Napoli uh, because I think a lot of people look at the additions and are like, huh, you know, this could be intriguing. They signed Simeone from Verona. He scored a ton of goals. Last season, they signed center back Kim from Finner Baccia, who was highly rated, linked to some uh, PL teams. Uh, they're bringing in Raspadori from Sassuolo, who is a highly rated player that uh, some people thought should be on the Italy team at the Euro. I can see why people are excited about Ndombele coming to Serie A, where it's very possible he's going to be very good. So yeah, these are exciting additions. They're young players. I think it makes sense. Napoli are kind of looking to the future. They bring in a left-back Oliveira. That was kind of a position of need for them. So addition-wise, it does sound good, right? But then let's talk about the players they lost. They lost Tospino, who was one of the three best keepers in the league. Now it sounds like Navas will come in and that at, at bare minimum, sounds like he can be one of the three best keepers in the league, but they mm. did lose a guarantee there. They lost Koulibaly, who, to me, was the best defender overall in Serie A of the past 10 years. They replaced him with Kim, so they're asking a lot of him there. I didn't think Insigne had a good season last season, but he was their captain and a reliable player for them. They lost Mertz, who was probably the best player off the bench in Serie a. Um, so and Fabian Ruiz is heading to PSG. So that's some really, really tough losses. So, you know, in a way, I'm very down on Napoli, but it was also very down on Milan this time last year. Maybe they are that version of that but you really are you really did lose a lot of the backbones of that team now some people would joke around okay you lost leadership of guys that never won anything but i would say that's unfair there were plenty of times that deserved to win it just so happened that juve was great those years so look uh, napoli are completely starting a new cycle i think intriguing players were brought in but i see a lot of variation on where they could end up like it wouldn't shock me at all if they finish eighth. Wouldn't shock me at all if they sneak in and are an outside Scudetto contender, finish second and third. But there's definitely some significant players left there, without a doubt.
1: What are your thoughts on their owner Aurelio De Laurentiis? I will just leave it there and let you answer however you want.
2: I'm in the minority. I'm a fan, I think the way he's run Napoli makes a lot of sense uh he's been They are one of the few clubs in Italy that don't have debt. They almost always turn a profit. They are able to survive if they don't make the Champions League without having to sell half the team. Um, I would say there is a fair complaint that there was a window of time where Napoli really, really had a great chance to win the Scudetto and you could say he should have been spent a little bit more and not been so conservative in his ways and sticking to his plan. I would say that's a pretty fair um, you know, thing. Now, does he say some pretty outrageous things at times? Yes. I think even some of the things he says on the surface sound maybe a little bit worse than they are, but I think he likes it that way. I think that's by design. Keep in mind, you know, he really uh, – Naples is a pretty unique place, and I think, you know, you're not going to have the most – um polished and elegant owner there most of the time. So look, I'll, I'll say overall, I would say Serie A as a whole would be in much better shape if there were mm-hmm. more presidents like De Laurentis financially. Now, maybe it wouldn't be the greatest for the marketing of the league with some of the things that he says. Uh, but look, if more teams were in, you know, I know I, I just said all the players they lost, at least they brought in some good ones. Mm-hmm. But again, I, I, I think Serie a as a whole needs more owners like De Laurentiis, not less.
1: Uh, One more question on the players that they've brought in. I'm not even going to try to say his name. I would just call him the Georgian Maradona, which seems to be how he's being billed. (laughs) But what do you make of their Georgian Maradona, who comes from Dinamo Batumi?
2: So yeah, I'm not going to try. Vicha, yeah. yeah. Well, look, I'll <laughs> say he already has as many goals as Insigne off the run of play hey, uh, from go. last season. He's been very highly rated. Look, uh, Napoli when they sign a player from abroad. They almost always hit. I would say Lozano is kind of the only one that they spent a lot on that didn't really pan out fully, although he had uh, his moments. So, yeah, no, I, he's definitely an exciting player. I know they are very high on him. They see him as a very good replacement for Insigne. So, yeah, no, look, uh, Napoli are smart. They buy these players. Uh, they spend some decent fees on some of them, but those young players with high upside, you could always turn a profit on. so uh, And the first game was really good. Granted, it was against Verona, who I think are really one of the weaker teams in the league, uh, but uh, the, the start was definitely encouraging for the player and the team.
1: Uh, I teased it in the introduction. I asked you about uh, De Laurentiis as a manager. It felt like you had some nice things to say there. Do you have nice things to say about Silvio Berlusconi, the uh, the owner of Monza? <laughs>
2: Well, look, uh, Berlusconi <laughs> is running for office again. He is in the right-wing coalition in Italy. Uh, it's not surprising that it coincides. Uh, you know, they've invested a lot in Monza. They made it back up in Serie A. Look, I, I think Serie has is more fun and more engaging with Berlusconi. They've uh, brought in a lot of players. When there even was the suggestion that Ronaldo Monza, it did sound Like It obviously sounds incredibly far-fetched, but it doesn't feel completely impossible because of Berlusconi either. So look, it's going to be very interesting. They've brought in some intriguing players. Uh, I think the bottom of the table is very weak, so it is good to have Monza there. And look, Berlusconi will definitely say a lot of entertaining things, even at this stage of his life.
1: And while we're talking about clubs new to the league, let's talk about Lecce for a second. They get promoted. Things are great. So great that their owner gets pig's heads delivered to him. I'm confused.
2: So Lecce, you know, Southern Italian club with a lot of passionate uh, fans. Uh, Yeah, their president definitely got a... Not the not what you'd expect to get as a gift when your team's back. Instead. Not so much, yeah, no, so much. But so I much. think they are, you know, a little bit victims of the fact that there are. Salernitana, who is very close to them geographically, avoided relegation. They've had a pretty intriguing summer. The sporting director for Lecce, Corvino, has been around forever, and he's been very vocal, too, about the state of uh, Serie A. Like, look, talent-wise, I think Lecce are definitely on the lower end. I think Monza definitely have a much better chance of staying up in Serie yeah, uh, but they'll be entertaining no doubt about it
1: which club do you think then either one we've talked about or one we haven't yet talked about do you think is most likely to have a lot of coverage in a negative way in terms of like sacking a manager wheels coming off chaos versus a club that you think is in a really strong just stable position overall
2: great question um I think Fiorentina are intriguing in a positive way. Now, I was hoping for a little bit of a better summer for them. I think their midfield, you know, Torreira was a tough loss. And to see a player like Torreira that Fiorentina wanted to keep go to Turkey is a tough blow for the league. As a whole, but I think between Jovic and Cabral, who they brought in in January, they have some intriguing ways to uh, replace Vlaovic. Uh, I do like their defense, which usually for Fiorentina is not really what you think of. They did keep Milenkovic, who's pretty intriguing. I do like Martinez Quarta, and I love their manager, Italiano. I think the way they play is very good. Now, again, I think their midfield's a little bit. Slight downgrade, but because I think the league as a whole um, is weaker, I think they can do well. I'm kind of sad to say that I could see things at Atalanta really taking a turn for mm-hmm. the worse just because, look, I'm a big Gasperini guy, but in Serie a, managers staying at the same club for a very long time is very rare. Uh, you know, the wheels seem to be falling off a little bit there. Malinowski was a really, really good player for them, has a cannon for foot, one of the most exciting players in Serie A. Last season, it looks like he's going to Marseille, and I think that's got a lot of people left uh, scratching their head. Uh, Ilichich is no longer part of the team. They've changed a lot. Froiler, who was an important midfielder for them, went to the Premier League. Uh, look, they on paper, they have some very intriguing uh, players. Um, I think talent-wise, they are like Right there, between four and six, but just the vibe of the team, I could see this going south. And uh, I could—they lost their sporting director, who was really, really good. And you know, it sounds like they kept picking Gasperini over important players and a director. And as much as I like Gasperini, I don't know if that's gonna really be wise Uh, I'd like you know if things don't work out with Gasperini I would love to see Juric at Atalanta because I think he brings a lot of the same uh, intriguing things so as much as it pains me to say because I really do like Atalanta and they've been a great club I think there's a very good chance this season we look at Atalanta and be like you know what they really missed their window they should have won the last two three years because now this cycle's really over
1: well, if they bring in Jovic, we will certainly have you back on to discuss that and many other things. I look forward to having you on uh, this season and having more appearances because you always do a great job of sort of breaking things down, catching us up on the things we need to know. Uh, David, if people want to hear more from you or hear more from you, see more from you, how can they do so?
2: So I my podcast on hiatus now. I am on Sirius pretty often. I'm very excited to do the show with you, Taylor. You will yeah, no. see me tweet here or there. So I'm very excited to have participated with you you it kind of made me excited for the league so hopefully you'll yeah. hear me on this show again uh during the season and all the best you know for me it's been fantastic to see how you've reinvented the show how you've kept it uh, so it's central in the discussion of soccer in the u.s so congratulations to you everyone involved with the show and i'm very humbled and grateful to be part of it
1: i'm humbled and grateful for that praise thank you david that means a lot to me i, I really appreciate that i'm sure the guys do as well it is always great to talk to you my friend Uh, thank you so much we will talk to you again this season listeners thank you so much for listening we will talk to you all again next week but for now have a great weekend talk soon